Hello and welcome to Under the Skin, starring, starring, starring me, Russell Brown. Oh, we're Russell making Br- the stings this week. What? You've not made them? They're what going in this week's podcast. This, the one where you go, I need the sting is coming out this week. Ah, yeah, so I'm this working. one will have them in as well? Yeah. I can't wait to hear them. Do you know what? I'm going to listen to this podcast, Jen, to check you're doing your something. I've I think you'll be just... excited. Will you? Because the plan has been hatched, yeah. Who did, did you make them yourself? I haven't made them yet, oh, but there is a collaborator involved. <laughs> have you have you collaborating? Yeah, I'm collaborating. Who with? Someone who's won a lot of awards. <laughs> 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 have you got a new boyfriend or girlfriend? What's going no, on? No, I don't. Just because Ollie did the last thing and he happened to be my boyfriend. <laughs> I know you operate in a blessedly small social circle. Yeah, I'm not texting anyone on my phone. There's no one talking to me. Good. I'm glad no one's talking to you, Jen, because you know why I'm glad because that's one less human that has to suffer you. Now, this is a good podcast. It's with Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's got to be a professor or something, hasn't she? This woman, she's yeah. unbelievable. Seven and a half lessons about the brain and how emotions are made is her book. She's professor oh yeah, of psychology at Northeastern University, where she focuses on effective science. She's also held all sorts of prestigious uh, positions in the science community, and I found her to be a wonderful and sort of captivating educator. Did you find her to be captivating? Yeah, she's a storyteller. She's a storyteller. And your love her book is my my thought on the matter. In this part of the conversation, the bit where she said coronavirus is the, like the, the virus itself is just one component. There are many, many other components, your health, your state. So it's a really good analysis of how the solutions that are being reached for are negating solutions around health, economics and politics and how the solutions being reached for favor certain interests so i really enjoyed that bit and i think that's a really good little bit anyway look this is free it's from luminary if you like it you can get a subscription for as little as two dollars 99 a month with luminary's annual plan plus a seven day free trial to get you started visit luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial it's not available in all markets but it will be available in more soon it's subject to local currency and terms most certainly apply which there's gonna be no terms Okay, before we get into that podcast, let's do some comments from Merlin Sheldrake. Oh, but have we been, have we been in the banter decanter? What do, I don't know. Well, well I the, started off bantering. Yeah, you were bantering from the beginning. You've been obnoxious. <laughs> That's because I felt attacked. <laughs> Is that how you respond to it? Yeah. So you've made some stings, have you? No, they haven't been made yet. But, yeah, they, but by uh, now, yeah. there'll be a sting, right? If I was to go, right, play the stings one by one, yeah. you could do it now. Banter yeah. decanter. Banter decanter. Shout outs. Shout outs. That's your hip hop favorite one. section. That's, yeah. coming, that's coming up in a minute. So, but now it's comments. Right, we've had some banter with Jenny. Jenny, have you been trotting around Norwich with some poor sod? No, I spent the weekend with uh, some dogs and then Becca. persons that's older than me. How, who, the parents of your landlord? The, well, they are my landlord. They're not the parents. Of... Jen, I don't want to get bogged down. <laughs> In the bureaucracy <laughs> of what you call your private life, but I call a prison on the coast. And frankly, one you shouldn't be allowed day release from. Oh. <laughs> I'm only joking. Now then, let's actually read that's some banter there. Banter decanter, <laughs> canter, canter. Banter decanter. <laughs> comments now on Merlin Sheldrake. Now time for comments. The video's doing well on YouTube. Yeah. Do you know, did we ask enough about psychedelics and the mind of God and all that? Uh, you tried to um, ask him and then oh, yeah, he said and he then, then you abruptly changed the subject. It's a shame, really, because I like talking about that, don't you? He spoke about getting taking LSD in the lab. 
Oh yeah, that was a good bit. Yeah. I like that LSD in the lab bit. He... Steph Hoy. <laughs> <laughs> the first comment is Steph Hoy. Wait. No comment from Steph. <laughs> oh no, we've lost our main yeah, listener. Steph. Steph, come back. Give us a comment. We miss you. We love you. We hope you're. <laughs> I hope you sign up to the mailing list. Go over to russellbrand.com. Belong to the elite, the cabal, the community, the nexus, the collective. Join up. You'll get all sorts of information. I do free Zoom calls. They're a great deal of fun. And Steph Hoy, I'm looking forward to meeting you there. Zazil. Merlin, he totally looks like a young wizard. He reminded me of... Oh, wow, I just broke my dream. I met Jim Morrison what? in my dream last night. He was older than me. He had a I motorbike. He would have been older than you. Yeah, when we died at 27. <laughs> do you age after death? Maybe. If you believe in consciousness... <laughs> Look, I'm just saying I met Jim Morrison in a dream. What have you done? I've been to his grave. I've been there. Pair of shades. Yeah. But he didn't bother to look at Oscar Wilde, did you? Or I showed did, yeah. Of course I did. But he just went to Jim Morrison's no, and went straight back, uh, hopped Oscar straight Wilde back on the bus. Oscar Wilde would have been my first. Yeah, I uh, mine that as well. not on a bus. Yeah, but you were going around Paris on a bus. No. Putting, putting bubble gum on the windows of France's great no. public utilities. Wouldn't you? No, I was staying in that, what is it called? Those numbers? The areas? The Bastille? The East District? No, no they call those sections. What did they call them? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know about France. I'm scared of France, is the truth. It's because you're English. I'm scared of... We've won them wars. But my point <laughs> is that I'm just scared of being in France. The feeling of Why? being there. What do you say? They don't... You know, they, why don't Salute. they just speak English? <laughs> no, I feel. No, I tell you what it is. I feel ignorant. I feel like uh, I, sh I feel like I should speak. I think I should speak English, Spanish, Italian, Mandarin, <laughs> Japanese. I love French. Do you speak it? It was the one I chose to learn. That's the. I can see by the way you answered that question. <laughs> that the answer is no, you don't, Jen. I can say something. Go on, say a thing. Hmm. That's not French. <laughs> Anyone could make that noise. It kind of is French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Earthy Shrumama. Hello. <laughs> Earthy Shrumama. That's a satisfying. Even that looks nice on a page because you've got them double O's and all them M's. Earthy Shrumama says, Merlin.Sheldrake is absolutely fantastic. His book, Entangled Life, is absolutely wonderful. I highly recommend it. I'm so happy to see more and more people waking up to the powers of fungus. Do you think that Shrek is nicked off Fungus the Bogeyman by Raymond Briggs when we were kids? Gal? Do you think Shrek is nicked off yeah. Fungus the... He is, isn't he? Yeah. Shrek is Fungus the Bogeyman. Do you know who Fungus the Bogeyman is? No. Do you know who Fungus the Bogeyman is? Remember those Raymond yeah. Briggs books, Snowman, all that, Father Christmas? Snowman. Walking in here. Yeah. Do you know? You're South African, you're young, you're young, you don't know. <laughs> Well, it's something to consider. Look at his little trumpet ear holes. Look at his fact he's into disgusting stuff. Annabelle, you're a young person. Why don't you Google Fungus the Bogeyman and have a look at that. And it's, this is IP from the late Gareth? 70s, early yeah, 80s. Right. Raymond Briggs. <laughs> Stolen. Stolen from... Uh, well, no, I love Mike Myers, actually, and pr probably he's involved in the creation of Shrek, and I admire him and respect him. But I'm just saying, it's interesting, isn't it? Perhaps he's part of the archetype, the green man, the, uh, you know, sort of the bogeyman. I don't know. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Um, so, uh, Lady Baroness, elegant and insightful conversation. Thank you. Oh, let's make banter decanter a thing. Well, here's the, uh, here's the <laughs> jingle. <laughs> I'm pressing my... I'm running the desk. I'm riding the desk like back in the day when I was a DJ and I didn't run the desk. Then let me tell you. Banter decanter. Banter decanter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
There you go. Banter decanter. Time now for listener shout-outs. Listener shout-outs. First one, shout-out, shout-outs. Time now for Mashash. Well, it's just this is her shout-out. All I want to say is, Russell, a heartfelt thank you. That's nice. Thank you, Mashash. Stephanie, thank you for being a beacon of light. No problem. During the pandemic, I've appreciated the YouTube videos. They're good. You should watch them. We do three a week. They're very intelligent. We've got some real whoppers, I'd call them, this week. Real, real whoppers. We've got weighty, weighty subjects. The thing, if I spoke like this, this was actually my normal talking voice. Do you think it would restrict me in my business as into so business professional? Yeah, the highlights of the phlegm a bit too much. Highlights Look, you just phlegm. did it there. And you sucked it back in. <laughs> you better concentrate, Jen, at work. That's what I'm saying to you. You sucked it back in. Uh, I've downloaded the tapping solution, says Stephanie. I have 37 years of recovery. Bloody hell, well done. And love the way you have helped destigmatize addiction. I can't believe Jen would choose such a flashy comment. Who did? Charlie. She, well just done, shared, she just shared it. Like nine shoes from the and then yeah, that, that's why they're promoting Merlin Sheldrake's book instead of mine. Revolu- revelation. I've already read Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> revelation. Uh, re- revelation. What a cracking I, I audible. Know. That's your promo, is it? Out now. It is Audible original. It's an audible original. The link is in the description. You should get it. It's brilliant. I know I'm asking for a lot of your money. If you can't afford it, don't worry about it. I'm so sorry. I keep asking. Uh, Look, I'm also a therapist, continues Stephanie. And I tell folks I work with to read your book. Thank you. Basically, I'm a fan. Thank you. After the Zoom sesh with Nick Ortner, you felt like family. I'm grateful for you and your wife, who is an angel. Gosh, even though it's my lovely wife. I mean, this is incredible. Do you know what we should do? Is we should isolate that bit where people are sing- where that singing song happened with that woman singing that um, Edith Piaf song. That was, it was beautiful. Have a listen to this Zoom call clip. I'll give you a song. song then. Sing us a song you fancy. Les yeux qui font verser le mieux, un rire qui se perd sous sa bouche. Voilà le portrait sans retouche de l'homme auquel j'appartiens. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas. Je vois la vie en rose. That's just un petit peu. That's lovely. Well Thank done. You. If you want to be part of that, you can sign up to my mailing list. Go to russellbrand.com, join the mailing list alliance. What's that word there, Jen? Click. The last word? Click. Click. Exclusive videos you'll get on there. Uh, you'll not find anywhere else. They're made just for you. We're currently doing a series on the world's great thinkers. If you'll get a free chapter of my book, Revelation, you get sent a free chapter from Revelation. See if you like it or not before you commit. Invites to free live events where you can learn well-being techniques that can support you in these mad times and be the first to hear about all my upcoming events and projects. Also, check out my YouTube channel that I've got. I've told you about that. It's good. Go on it. And follow me on social media. Now let's listen to our friend, Lisa Feldman-Barrett, what a wonderful human being. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route. Yes, that's that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? Welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. I don't think it's that hard, actually, to link an individualist perspective in science to the kind of individualism that you're talking about that you see 
also in economics and in, you know, culture writ large. That I, so, you know, we could go in that direction and we can talk about that, but it's not, it's the same set of assumptions, you know, um, that um, is underlying. Um, and that's, a, it's a cultural model. Not all cultures are this individualist, you know, that, I mean, that's a, there are also writers, anthropologists in particular, who've written about, you know, how cultures organize themselves in how they understand how how they understand the relationships between people, for example. Um, and what we've seen, um, you know, um, I think in science is this real adoption of of a strong um, individualist sort of um, set of assumptions that goes along with essentialism, that there are single, that there are underlying, you know, for lack of a better word, like immutable causes that make something, there's an underlying immutable cause that makes something what it is and you can't change it. And it is what it is. And, um, and it will be that way regardless of when and who and why and how. Like it's, you know, so an example is, you know, ha um, infection from a disease like COVID. Um, so this is the example. When I ask people, do you think a virus is the cause of a respiratory illness like the common cold? So this was like pre-COVID. Pre I would ask this question to audiences. And 99% of the people would put their hands up. Yes, a virus is the cause. And then I would tell them about these experiments where really good experiments, really well designed, that replicated, where scientists would cloister away human subjects in hotel rooms and control what they slept, how they slept, what they ate, and so on. And then they would take exactly the same amount of dose of virus and put it into the nostril of each person and only 20 to 40% of people, depending on the experiment, got sick with symptoms. So exposure to a virus is not the same thing as infection. And only 20 to 40% of people were infected. That means that a virus is not the cause of an illness. It is a necessary cause. You can't get sick. You can't get a common cold without a virus, but it is not the cause. Okay. What were the other predictors of who got sick? And they were things like childhood adversity, a history of childhood adversity, or chronic stress, or these things that we think of as more psych psychological, we think of them as psychological. There is a, a sort of a, a metabolic underpinning to them, but we think of them as psychological. But anyways, the, the point is that what predicted who got sick was also the state of that person's immune system, which is regulated by their brain. And that means that the state of your immune system is also, and, and your brain is, are also necessary, but not sufficient causes of illness. Now, I was president of the Association for Psychological Science 
which is like the big, you know, uh, the big scientific, you know, society that, you know. And so I wanted to bring this to people's attention because what it means, it means a couple of things. One is that people who are experiencing chronic stress, particularly people living in adverse circumstances, are going to be just they're more likely going to be to get sick um, after exposure. They, they'll probably be more likely to be exposed too, but they'll be more likely to get sick from exposure. And the same things that predict um, whether you get sick also predict your immune response to a vaccination. Are we okay? Do we need to take a break? No. I just want to ask you if you think this means that another way of dealing with a pandemic would be to address these collaborating factors that create infection and ergo potentially a well, pandemic. Yes, exactly. And I want to say that, but it gets to your point about, are, you know, it gets to your point about, are there, it gets to the point about looking for individual causes versus more system-based, like relational um, causes. And I guess, but you know, that like illness is not a sim doesn't have a simple single cause. There are a set of a set of you know, like a like a web or a network of potential causes that are all working together. And the point, my point is that um, who gets sick isn't just a matter of who's exposed or what the viral load is. It's also a matter of that person's personal history some of which is based on where they live, what access did they have to medical care? Did they live in poverty? Do they have, you know, um, the ability to get fresh food or, or fresh air or, or what have you? And to further politicize this, if I may, Lisa, we only contemplate, consider and uh, analyze solutions that are economically beneficial to, uh, and uh, we only present certain outcomes as favorable. No, Instead no, of we like, no, we don't even do that, though, Russell. That's the totally infuriating thing about it is that we don't even do that. Because can I tell you something? The National Academy of Sciences did a study. They did like a big white, the big, like a big study of childhood poverty. And they discovered that it would be cheaper to just eradicate. I mean, it would be expensive to eradicate poverty for children, but it would be cheaper to do that than it would be to deal with the consequences of that poverty, the way that it shapes the nervous system and the brain in those children, which sets them up for illness later in life. We still end up paying that bill. It's just a much bigger bill. It's and there's more... more suffering. So if it's not economically led, it's ideologically led. And it's sort of, in a sense, that speaks to the, some of the points that I'm making, that, that, that it's more favorable to have a solution that facilitates big tech having more access to people's lives and more access to track and trace data. It, our systems favor a solution where big pharma gets to benefit and profit. These are the systems that we're heading towards. And what are these systems based on? Individualism. You are a separate animal running on these systems, what you can remember, what stimulus you... So Whereas, so what we need to devise is a kind of a scientifically underwritten myth that brings to the forefront collectivism. 
unity, togetherness, reverence and respect for individual forms of identity. But unless these myths are told, unless these stories are told, Lisa, we're in grave danger of, uh, well, we're on the precipice of Armageddon, but the coronavirus is just but one example of how something that's apparently an objective reality, like you said earlier, you know, all the coronavirus is seeking is a nice wet pair of lungs, but whose wet lungs, how many times, how often? Because otherwise, why is there a difference in what's happening in New Zealand or Taiwan or the US or the UK? or Germany. Culture, 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 culture. So there's so many things. No objective reality. We create reality through our imagination. Yeah, well, with our, through our collective imagination. That's, the, that's the, also the important thing. That This is something, I mean, this is something that I wrote about in my first book, How Emotions Are Made. Um, but because it was a book about emotion, some of the bigger points got lost. Um, and so I decided to kind of re reiterate them in this smaller book and also maybe sort of gently, maybe take my lab coat off a little bit at times and, um, and, you know, maybe just try to ask people to think about what the implications are of some of these things. And, you know, for example, I wrote an op-ed in the New York times a number of years ago now, um, based on this um, this research showing that um, words words just just simple words actually have a huge impact on your nervous system and um, I was being a little provocative you know in the op-ed deliberately provocative to get people to think because that's what you know that's what that's what you do sometimes when you're a professor you sort of say things that are slightly provocative to get people to think maybe in a bit of a different way. Um, not that you want them to think anything in particular, but you just want them to th think differently, like just get outside your, your usual way of thinking and just explore other ways of thinking a little bit. But can I tell you that the idea that we have, that our nervous systems are socially dependent on each other. We are social animals. We evolved as creatures to influence each other's nervous systems in very profound ways. Other animals influence one another, you know, with sights and smells and sounds and so on. We do that, but we also do it with words. You can read something that was written 2000 years ago and it can change your heart rate and change your breathing. I can text three little words to my friend who lives halfway around the world. She doesn't have to see my face. She doesn't have to hear my voice, but I can change her metabolism with those three little words. Right. We have language, the parts of the brain that are involved in us speaking and understanding language are exactly the same parts of the brain that regulate your heart, your lungs, your immune system and so on. So we have these socially dependent nervous systems, but we live in a culture that prizes individual rights and freedoms. That's a bit of a conflict. And it's a bit of a conflict that is worth having some discussion about, particularly when we find ourselves living in an environment and even maybe cultivating that environment of like cultural brutality, where people just say the most outrageous things to each other without thinking about the impact that those words will have, right? It's fine to have freedom to say what you want to say, but you also have to think about what the impact is of what you say. And, but can I just say the amount of pushback that I got from that required two police uh, forces to like 
patrol my lab, patrol my office, patrol my house, you know? I mean, it was really stunning. Why, free speech? Yeah, they thought, people thought that I was saying that there should be no free, there should be limits to free speech, and that's not what I was saying at all, actually. If you're enjoying this conversation with me and the great Lisa Feldman Barrett, go over to luminarypodcast.com to start your free trial, little as $2.99 per month. Get a little free trial. Have a, spend a bit of time there. See if you like it. If you don't like it, you know, walk away. But if you do like it, hey, stay.